For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Believe in Lions. I'm your host, Derek Okri, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. You know how that's spelled, B-L-E-A-V. It's Detroit's number one podcasting network where I make you believe, B-L-E-A-V, in the Detroit Lions. And by the end of this episode, you will believe as well. And I know that because I have back on the show. He comes on about once a month here. We talk Lions. We're going to talk drafts. We're going to do a live mock. Lots of things on this show. Logan Lamarandier, the one and only, is in the building. Logan, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm doing real good. I'm glad to have you. I mean, we're we're talking here recording on a Friday. By tomorrow, we're going to have a CBA vote. By Sunday and Monday, the opening tampering for free agency is going to go down. Uh, free agency opens on Wednesday, and before you know it, we'll have the draft. We think. <laughs> we don't know if any of that's going to go down, but we hope so with all the craziness that's going on in the world. But we won't uh, do like radio shows and spend, you know, 10 20 an hour on that we got to talk football so logan before we start recording news came out the detroit lions have cut ricky wagner it was a big talking point a lot of people thought it might happen a lot of people justified why it shouldn't happen it's now happened break it down for me tell me what you think and kind of all the implications that it happens when you cut your right tackle yeah and obviously he didn't live up to that big contract that bob quinn handed out to him and the Lions are going to save this year um, about $6.1 million in cap space. So that gives you some money to work with. And there's still a dead cap hit with him for, I think it's about $5.8 million. But uh, it does free you up for having a contract, you know, down the line. If Bob Quinn has been known for actually backloading plenty of contracts. So if he has a bigger name free agent that he's able to get with uh, Wagner's completely off the books next year. Um, it gives a lot of flexibility. So it does create a little bit of a hole at right tackle. It depends how you feel about Terrell Crosby. If you think he can be that right tackle as of right now, I think he's capable. I don't think it's much of a downgrade compared to what Rick Wagner was doing last year. So overall, I don't mind it. Um, it's just a little bit concerning because not, not only has Rick Wagner uh, been released, Damon Tanax Harrison was released and the Lions in a win-now season are getting rid of some big-name players, yet they were probably overpaid. But anytime you get rid of those guys, you have to find replacements, and that's kind of what's going to happen, you think, on Monday. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. I mean, I've got the numbers right here. Ricky Wagner signed a five-year, $47.5 million deal. It didn't expire till 2022, so they're actually moving on from him two years, uh, two years early there. I mean, an average of $10 million a year. Uh, you know, like you said, did not live up to that dollar amount. But my, my argument was always that 
you know, tackles don't grow on trees. And unless you have a better replacement, you know, you can't just get rid of the guy because it's going to cost you 12, 13 or more millions to go get a really better upgrade, you know? And so when I saw this, I'm thinking, okay, like it's nice to get the six or, you know, it was reported, you know, nine, you never know totally where these numbers are at, but you know, 6 million bucks is fine to put in the old piggy bank and maybe go reshape your team. But unless Terrell Crosby is ready to rock and roll and play consistent snaps at right tackle, I I just am curious how they're going to rebuild this line on the fly with some of the other holes they have to fill. And like you say, creating more holes and yeah, you're getting some more resources, but I just don't see how they're going to do it. So I think Rick Wagner's like tenure in Detroit was just, you know, the first couple years, you really didn't notice him. I think he put up the seventies or so when it comes to PFF grades this past year, he was down in the fifties, you know, you'd see him get beat from time to time. But like I've told my buddy Grifka and other people is like, there were lots of games where I didn't really notice Rick Wagner too much, which is kind of what you want from your offensive tackles or anybody on your offensive line. They shouldn't be a big talking point. So I mean, I thought he was average, you know, people could say he's a little below average for the times he got beat or what he was paid, but I, I, I don't know what to think about the move, to be honest, until I know who you're plugging in that spot and how they perform as well as what you do with the money in general, it's hard to say right now. Yeah. And I agree with that because you are making a hole, but with how much he was being paid, he wasn't living up that contract and right tackles, you know, in this league right now, you know, there's good defensive ends and edge rushers on both sides of the ball. And you have these linebackers that can move around to both sides. So you do, you need a reliable right tackle. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I think you said it best where before we have any replacement, it's a scary move. And if we start the season with Tyle Crosby as the right tackle, yeah, that's, it's not necessarily a huge question mark, but it, it's not like it gives you a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to hold up all year. When he has played during the regular season in spot duty, he's been fine. But then you also see those preseason games like you saw last year where he just got destroyed. And it's like, is mm. that the tackle we're going to get? Or are we going to get the one that we've seen in spot duty in regular season? So it's, I, I don't mind cutting Rick Wagner, but again, it's, yeah, I, I just don't know what they're going to do at the position because it does create one more hole. Right. And that's what I got on Twitter with some people saying, yep, uh, I'm right with you. You know, like everybody's forgetting about Terrell Crosby. It's his time. Let's go. And other people were like, Terrell Crosby sucks. Okay. He's no good. He's not going to be able to plug in there. And like you say, it's been a mixed bag with the guy and, and the, he's only been in there limited. You really don't know what you have in a player until he's out there full time. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with him. I think that, you know, the only thing I would say is Bob Quinn, like he's been real aggressive this year with, players that aren't living up whether he brought him in or not he's continuing to move on I, I feel like he's had a somewhat of a short leash in the past no matter if he drafted you or brought you in and but he's got to bring in some more blue chip top end players that he doesn't have to turn over and, and like I said the contract was 20 million guaranteed out of that 47 so when I saw that part of me was like all right this guy's 30 he kind of played the three three years where probably he reached that guarantee type money for the most part now you're kind of moving on from a guy where you're just getting away from the non-guaranteed like hey we don't have to pay this guy 10 11 million other than the cap hit that you mentioned so maybe he's crafty in that way of just bringing in a guy and then only playing him up to the guaranteed or until they 
don't live up and then booting them out and moving on to the next guy. You know, that, that might be the case. Any, any tackles jump to your mind or, or that you initially thought of, of like, Hey, this is a guy I'd like him to maybe go target either with some of that money or in general. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit there. Um, not so much, but before we move on real quick, I do want to say about Rick Wagner. Yep. I talked about Bob Quinn backloading contracts and that's what he did with Ricky Wagner too. For the first two seasons, Ricky Wagner was here. Uh, he was only making, I want to say it was a little over 6 million in between the 6 million to $7 million cap hit range. And at that point he was a steal. And then last year was his first year uh, of the next three years. So the remaining uh, three years of his contract, he had a cap hit of 11.9 million and he wasn't living up to that contract. So, I would say for the first two years of the contract, it actually was a decent get, but at this point he wasn't making an, or it wasn't playing up to the contract. As far as the free agents go, uh, I, there's like Brian Belaga out there, Marcus Gilbert, both over 30. Um, Jack Conklin is a big name, but I think he's going to get paid probably a lot. I don't know if the Lions would be interested in signing someone that pricey when Tyrell Crosby is, you know, he could be a decent option, but I, I don't want to say the Lions are going to draft an offensive tackle at three, but given the like the four top tackles and how they perform at the combine, uh, the Lions could be in play to take a tackle. And anytime you're drafting high in the draft, tackle is a value position where you need, um, where you often look at quarterbacks, defensive ends, or edge rushers and tackles. So, like those are the top three positions. So I'm not going to act necessarily rule out that the Lions could go after one in the draft. I. I don't know if that makes too many fans happy, but uh, especially with also Taylor Decker being a contract here, it makes makes things interesting. So I I hope the Lions don't spend a bunch of money on you know just another Wick, Rick Wagner type of tackle in the free agency. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, good stuff there. I saw you put out on Twitter about them maybe considering, and I think that is something great to throw out there and and to think about because the value is there. I loved what the, how the players performed at the combine. There's some studs up top that would fit in nicely at that spot, but like I say, I'm just not throwing Terrell Crosby out yet because of where they took him and because he's been kind of groomed for a couple of years. But uh, it'll definitely be interesting to uh, to see what they do, no doubt. Let, let's keep it moving on the two more topics that are kind of Lions player related. Um, Snacks, you know, was all over Twitter answering questions, you know, showing respect, firing off on people, being cryptic, you know, all the above he was doing. Uh, I'm sure you saw this. Any general thoughts about some of the messages he had, both for, you know, Matt Patricia and the organization, people of Detroit, all that stuff that good old snacks at snacks on Twitter was, uh, you know, being very free with his thoughts. I, I, I saw this week. <laughs> yeah. And it's always nice when a player does that. Cause you get a little inside scoop from, especially from an organization that really doesn't talk much about players. And, you know, even after they're released or, you know, during contract negotiations, they always stay away from that stuff. So to hear snack side of things, I thought it was good. He didn't necessarily throw anyone under the bus or saying, uh, he, you know, he even called, Matt Patricia, like a smart mind, I think was his words. Yep, yep. And yeah, so it's like he wasn't necessarily trashing the organization. He just pretty much said it wasn't a good fit. And why that reason might be, you, you can speculate all you want, but <laughs> um, you know, I don't necessarily mind releasing snacks because I do, if he played like last year again and you're going into the season hoping that he's going to find his prior form, you're, you might be setting yourself up for failure there. So if the Lions have, again, some extra money they freed up 
by releasing him, they might be able to go after some other free agent who is a little younger and spend their money a little bit more wisely. So it's the whole snacks deal. I, his Twitter rant, I don't, I didn't look at it as a bad thing at all. I just thought it was refreshing that a player is actually giving uh, his thoughts on the situation and seemingly being very honest about it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was going to I was going to do this tease before, so I might as well do it before I get my side on snacks. Uh, we will see if Logan Lamarandier, who he drafts at number three when me and him do a live a mock draft, all 31, uh, 32 teams in the first round, he will be picking for the Lions at three. So we'll see if he does what he said that the Lions might do. And I also want to say, if you want to check out all these great tweets coming from Logan, you can find him at Logan Lamrandier on Twitter. He's always uh, putting up great stuff. So getting back to snacks, like you call it refreshing. I had a really back and forth with a couple good buddies of mine where they were all like – you know, they keep hearing all this stuff from these players that have been exiled and they're like, oh man, you know, <laughs> uh, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are shady. Like, I don't like how they do business. Like all these players are coming out and always uh, kind of, you know, don't have anything good to say. I'm like, well, they're the players that got cut or got traded or got booted or got, you know, uh, left the team. Like, why, why would they? He's like, well, it doesn't happen with other organizations. I'm like, you know, 90% of all these other head coaches, GMs are, are a little shady. Like you, it's hard to do business with these alpha males, just treating them great, you know, across the board or like playing kumbaya. So I don't know. We were just going back and forth and I'm like, it's only one side of the story. Like you say, the lions aren't going out and burying snacks or burying digs. It's all these other players that are kind of saying these cryptic things or taking half shots at people. I, I feel like the lions have just been going about business. So you know, we had, we had a little fight about that, I got to say. But that's not, I mean, anytime a team is losing and the team gets rid of, uh, you know, a name player, I think that's going to be the case where they're not going to have a lot of probably, uh, you know, just great things to say about, about the team that just right. let them go or traded them. But my thing but was the fans is, then were saying like, oh, look at the Lions. It's the Lions' fault. The Lions did this. There's no, there's no nothing showing the Lions did anything maybe than looking at Snacks' play and saying he's declining, like we want to move on and save the money and, and, and do business with another football player. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, but it gets spun sort of like, oh, I didn't treat him good or, oh, I'll tell you once I retire or, you know, what did Diggs say? He kind of said, you know, they don't let you speak out. You know, it's like little things here or there when it's like, yeah, you could take it that way or you could just know that, hey, these guys are just going shrewd, you know, like the Patriots are but maybe they're just going about business and doing what they think is best for the franchise. That could be possible as well. Yeah, it, it really is. I, Snacks, what he said, didn't bother me. I, there is a little bit of a history with, with players now speaking out against this regime, but, um, you know, there probably is some truth to it. But I, from my perspective, I don't mind if players speak out because it gives us a little insight on what's, going on behind the scenes. So, and it does happen with other teams. You see other players that get mad at other teams and even look at the Steelers who have been a great team over the past, you know, couple decades. And they had their issues, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, like they're star yeah. players. It's not, it's not just the lions, but whenever a team is losing any type, any type of issue with players against the coaches, you know, it, the whole situation is just exacerbated because the team is losing. 
And, and that's what I told my buddies. I said, I think it's bugging you more because we're losing. I said, if they come out and win 10 games, you're not going to hate Bob Quinn or think Matt Patricia is a hard ass. You're going to be like, oh, good. Like, it finally worked. You know, it finally paid off. It just hasn't paid off yet. So that's the part I don't argue with people is, yeah, they, they haven't won ball games. Like, fine. Like, but for them saying that they treat everybody bad or that they they run too hard of a practice or they don't let you speak is like, that's all coming out, I think, because they haven't put up W's yet, which could have something to do with it or could just be a happenstance of injuries and, and all this other stuff. So I, I was just fighting not against what Snack said, but more like these people that are taking all this and just assuming, oh, Bob Quinn's a bad guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He He's treating people like crap when really like it's more probably of a, hey, you know, we want to move on because of your health and because of maybe where your play is at. And the player's saying, well, good, I, I think it's fine to move on too. Let's make it mutual or, or it's not a good fit for me anymore. And they they just did it that way so that's kind of how i took it but like i say it wasn't so much what he said it's more like what i got into with other people um let's move to glasgow he had lots to say this week about uh you know being disappointed bummed i think is how he put it about not being brought back you know my opinion on that has always been like you know i'm sure they'd be fine to bring you back at a reasonable number for right guard but you know, when you get talking about the 8, 10, 12 million bucks, whatever it is, you know, they probably just think that's outside of how he's played as a Detroit Lion. He's been a solid, decent to good football player, but has not been an elite guard or anything. So what do you think about what he had to say and and them, you know, definitely moving on from him at this point? Yeah, it's, it's tough because I do like, um, you know, Glasgow quite a bit. I thought he had his best season last year. Obviously, the Lions, I don't – no one really could answer or give a good answer on why the Lions were rotating all the time. Kenny Wiggins in there with Glasgow and Joe Dahl when Kenny Wiggins was obviously the worst of the three. And Glasgow, if he's going to demand so much money, I'm sure the – and that's another thing. You get you go back and forth on the, if the Lions have even tried to resign or give an extension – to Glasgow you wonder what that situation is and it sounds like Glasgow basically said that there hasn't been much talks about it so I I don't know where the Lions heads are at with that if they think there's someone else on the market that they want to go after instead I really like where um, Glasgow kind of his trajectory on how he's been performing and again it's another guy if he leaves is going to create a major glaring hole at the right guard spot and now we have a hole at the right tackle spot it's like what what is happening here? We keep losing talented players the last few years, and we haven't been replacing them with, uh, you know, similar talent level type of guys. And that falls on Bob Quinn. So it's, I, I just hope that the lions aren't thinking like Kenny Wiggins is going to be able to be a starter. They can resign him and they'll just play him at right guard. That would be a horrible <laughs> situation. Yeah. Let me, let me come back at you with something. So you said like they keep getting rid of good football players. I got to hear Matt Derry on, you know, lockdown Lions say you, you, you don't get rid of good players. That was his argument for not trading Slay. I mean, me and you have talked before. We agree on a lot of stuff here on the show, but there's a value to every player. So you said you like Glasgow. You think he played his best this past year. I'm curious what you think he does extraordinarily well, because, again, I don't see him blowing people off the ball. I like his versatility. They can play guard and center. You know, I like that he's been out there a lot. He hasn't been injured. 
which is a, a positive availability is always a good trait to have. But he's got a value, and his value to me is not 10 plus million. It's more in that, you know, I don't even know, like whatever middle of the road guards make. Like I read somebody his contract the other day. He he played for the Lions for four seasons and only made three million dollars in total. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, am I willing to pay you five million per or six or seven ish? Maybe. But I I can't go a ton more than that. So that's what I'm saying is my cutoff. Like if he just has these ridiculous demands or thinks he's in this stratosphere, you haven't made any Pro Bowls last time I checked. You haven't. We've talked about Pro Bowls, not the big deal. But you know what I'm saying? Like he hasn't been this premier, just no one ever gets around him stalwart over there. And and so I think that's where his value gets out of whack with his play. You know, it's like you've been good. You've been solid, but you haven't been elite. You haven't been, you know, top of the line in my opinion. So. Um, um, and I think last year he, I think he was, he didn't give up any sacks last year. And in terms of the run game, I, I want to say PFF had him as like the, either he was top 10 in run blocking and take their grading system with a grain of salt. But, uh, you know, he, he just was solid and but yeah, what's solid worth to you earlier in his career. What's that worth to you? Like at, at the guard position, if you're going to throw out dollars, I mean, we got to talk dollars. Uh, yeah, and that's where it's tough because if some team offers him a top contract, then it's like, okay, well, I see why the Lions didn't sign him or I see why Glasgow uh, wanted to test the free agency market because he was going to get paid. But uh, it, as far as a set price, like I think you can pay Glasgow. The Lions have room, but if they can get someone cheaper that is a similar player, uh, or at least performs at a similar level next year, it's a little bit of projection. And that's where you get where things get a little dicey is you just don't know what you're going to get in a player. If you're next year, you don't know where Glasgow is going to end up next year, how he performs, if he regresses a little bit, but uh, I think the Lions have the money to pay Glasgow. It's just, where do they want to spend their money? You know, you have a limited amount of cap space and you have to kind of pick and choose your battles and where you want to go with how many holes the Lions have. Um, you know, they could go to a lot of different areas and maybe they just don't value, you know, that guard spot enough. But it is a little odd that just a few years ago, Bob Quinn went and paid a lot of money to, to TJ Lang. And I don't know if Glasgow is quite at that level of prime TJ Lang, but as it looks like it, he's getting better and better every year where maybe he could be that eventually. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think the way it works, if we got a peek behind the draft room, it'd just be like, Bob Quinn and his staff have this set value for, for players, what they're willing to pay at positions, what they're willing to pay based on your production. And if it doesn't meet that, you know, they're not willing to go too much far over whatever their set is. And I bet they're probably set at somewhere in that five, six range, you know, yeah, they have the money to, to pay more, but why would you pay more? If you, if you, if you think something is worth $10, you know, would you pay 20 for it just because you have 20 or would you be hope that you could get it for six and still have four bucks, you know, extra in your opinion, because it was worth 10 to you. I think that's the game that's always being played behind there. So when people say like, well, you have the money, just pay Darius Slay. It's like, they're not going to do that if they don't think that he's worth $17 million as, as a, a top corner, you know, uh, I'm sure there's a breaking point somewhere there. So I think that's what it came yeah. down to. So when I heard Glasgow, I was just kind of like, yeah, man, if you can go out there and get more, congratulations. If the Lions think that you weren't worth whatever your demands were, that's that's well in their right to do so. And to me, a guard is 
pretty much somewhat a dime a dozen. I know people say you got to keep your quarterback upright, but I can go find a guard another way. I guarantee it. Yeah, and you, you can. And I'm not saying overpay Glasgow, but uh, I think just Bob Quinn has a little bit of a history of you know letting players go and thinking that a player that he drafted or someone that he signed at free agency is going to be able to step up and be at the same level for a little cheaper. And it hasn't been the case under Quinn, really. You know, you've seen a lot of his free agent signings. You know, outside of Marvin Jones, uh, a lot of his big-name free agent signings haven't necessarily lived up to the hype, um, which is concerning for me if Bob Quinn is going to go elsewhere for Glasgow and pay another guy, you know, similar money, but they think that other player is better and then isn't. It's just that's the part that's getting a little frustrating when you actually have good players and you do try to replace them and they replace them with someone who isn't as good or as an inferior type of player. Right. Right. Yep. That's the other half of it. But like, like you say, you said he hasn't had many signings other than Marvy, but that have come through. I, I don't think he's spent big on many players. I mean, you, you left Trey flowers off that list. He went big on him. He seemed to be uh, progressing. Well, you've got, uh, you got Justin Coleman, who I think is going to be much better than the, the inside corners we've had in the past. You know, you've got Danny boy who seemed to play well last year. They brought him back. So, you know, those are some positive moves by him and, And like I say, I get your point of like, hey, he's been pretty good. You know, we might want to keep him around. But my other side, too, is always maybe there's somebody that's a lot better out there that we can get. Same with the Ricky Wagner move. Like, I think that's more of a, hey, we don't think this guy's going to get a lot better. Why not take that money and go roll the dice on another draft pick or a high-end free agent that might, you know, ball out as a right tackle or might bully people from the inside, you know, interior position and give us some run push. I think that's what he's trying to do to get better. And like I say, it's either going to work out or it's not. And that's kind of where everything sits. So how about this? I want to throw some, uh, how about I throw a group of name of free agents at you? I just picked out a few of the bigger names that I either have at the top of my wish list or think the Lions should consider. You maybe pick out one or two and, and tell me if you like them or if they could fit or if you hate the, hate the option. How about that? Sounds like a plan. So these are some names that I just kind of, like I said, there's plenty of others, but I just grabbed some ones. So to me, Corey Littleton linebacker cover linebacker would be a tremendous fit here. Um, you know, there's been some info come out about Kyle Van Noy saying he'd be open to come back to the lions. That'd be very uh, unique and odd in some ways, but I could also see the fit. I've always really liked Jerron Reed, defensive tackle for Seattle, uh, came from Alabama. I think he's always had upside. He's only 27 years old. He may be an interior guy to look at. Marcel Darius, another guy that was taken really high in the draft from Alabama. He knows Bo Davis. I think that could be a really nice fit, uh, depending on where he would be at contract-wise. Uh, Logan Ryan, the corner from Tennessee, is a guy that played with the Patriots and you know, is, is near right where Slay is with age. You know, he makes money, but you could maybe get him for a couple years at a decent number. And then Carl Joseph, the, the hard-hitting safety. Um, you know, I, I've always liked his game and thought, you know, if they wanted to add kind of a, a real hitter, a real physical guy, that he might be a type of guy they might look at. So those are just a few. I know there's some other positions we have to consider as well, but any of those names jump out or you want to throw a couple that you're really hoping that maybe come Wednesday they'll be signing on the dotted line? Yeah, so real quick, Corey Littleton, I think, was a pro football fo- focus, kind of mentioned him as a g- guy the Lions should go after. Um, I don't think he fits the profile of what the Lions look for at all in a linebacker. He's uh, 
lighter guy and he just doesn't fit that like thumper space eating type of player that I think Patricia would want. In Can a I jump in though? But he is. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Littleton to me is what the Lions need because they do have all these big thumpers and these big guys. Like we already have that covered. We've got, we've got like three or four, what we call two down linebackers in the NFL. So what we need is a guy that flies around or that can cover. And, and I'm sure we'll get to another option at uh, when we do our mock draft that uh, could fit really nicely in that spot as well. But I'm totally against everybody sort of putting these players in buckets saying that the Lions only go after this type because I feel like they've they've covered a lot of those areas now of like the kind of safeties they want, the kind of linebackers they want. So now I feel like you're looking to add, a, you know, a freaky edge rusher from a linebacker position. Maybe you're looking for just a, a, a smaller coverage guy. You know, the things they don't have. I'm pretty sure they know you can't have five linebackers that are all 250 pounds and can't cover, right? Well, yeah, and <laughs> I do have – that's one of my pain points for this scheme is that I think they are very rigid in the type of players they look for, and it's the same reason, you know, last year, like the last couple drafts, the, I feel like the Lions have passed up certain or specific defensive players just because they don't fit their scheme. And Corey Littleton, I think at the price point, they're probably going to have to pay him. Uh, he's not going to be a two-down play in the first – uh, first and second down in the Lions schemes just because they're so gaps control and the, the defensive linemen are too gapping and their linebackers are meant to take on blocks and be physical, not lose ground when they're, um, you know, getting taken on at the point of attack. And that's why Corey Littleton, it's like, it'd be great to have him as a third down cover linebacker, but then how much is that going to cost? So you kind of have that type of player in Jalen Reeves Maven already um, where he can play on third down and, Corey Littleton, it's just, if you're going to pay him, I, I'd hope that he'd play all three downs. And I just don't know if the Lions would like him for his, for that type of scheme that they have on early downs. So that's, that's where I wonder with that. Um, I would like the Lions to branch out a little bit and just get talented football players and play to their strengths. But, you know, in the first two years, Patricia, that hasn't seemed to be the case. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say I wouldn't like Corey Littleton. Yeah, but I'm we'll, not expecting it. we'll see. One quick thing I want to throw in is when they got rid of snacks, they slyly said in one of their interviews that they're looking to go in a different direction at that position and kind of change it up a little bit or something to that effect. So I, I think they might have realized that they might need some more juice when it comes to penetrating linemen as well as kind of attacking coverage linebackers. So I, I think you are going to see in general the scheme, but I do think you know, everybody's so set on what the Lions do. They might be kind of doing a reform on the fly as well and totally flipping some of the things they do because it hasn't worked. You know, I I agree with you. They've been rigid, but don't don't be surprised if we see some players come in that don't fit that mold. And it's because they know that they can't um, play thumping football anymore. They got to have a few guys that can can be versatile, can cover, can run and hit, can show speed. Um as well as still be in the run game. So I think I'd throw that out there too. Maybe they, maybe they are making a change. Corey Undlin is, you know, uh, the new defensive coordinator. He's might not be calling the plays. Patricia still might be, but if they use a little bit of his mind, he comes from a, that Jim Schwartz type of defense where it's an attacking defense. You have very fast linebackers, the wide nine um, blitz quite often and play a lot of man. So if they, were to implement maybe some things that Undlin has can carry over from that scheme, then yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. I 
when this Patricia first came in, I kept hearing the hybrid defense. I was like, oh, great. We're going to have a bunch of different type of players. And <laughs> at the last two seasons have gone on, it's like, okay, no, they have a very specific player that they look for just about every position. So it would be, <laughs> it would be nice, you know, just to have a little bit of a shakeup and maybe not always try to do the same thing over and over again with big linebackers and big, you know, two gapping defensive tackles. And, you know, maybe they would try to do something different. Right. We'll have to see. Um, Anything else jump out to you? Free agency. I know we're going to do our our live mock here in a moment, but free agency right around the corner. Any other big wish list items or guys you want to hit on? Yannick Ngakwe was one of my guys. Um, Looked like he got franchised sort of by the Jags, but that doesn't mean they still couldn't do a a trade. I know he said he didn't want to be there long term. I thought like his age, his sack ability was something that could really help the Lions. Yeah, and he was very interesting. My guy was Matt Judon, who also got the franchise tag from Baltimore. Uh, and I think he would just be a great fit in that uh, Devon Kennard role where uh, Kennard is in the last year of his deal. It's very much just kind of a, a guy when he's rushing the passer. He's not any much of a threat. All of his sacks usually come from coverage sacks or like kind of on a stunt. Um, and I think that position could be upgraded. The Lions do need to get – to the quarterback they're going to have to get some pass rushers and i think that could probably come from the inside they're once again are remaking their defensive tackle position and they could go after some players that provide a little bit more pass rushing juice and i think that's why dj reader the houston texans nose tackle who wasn't purely just a nose tackle he also you know kind of played as like a three tech and a five tech he moved around a lot more than he i think he's been given credit for but he also has a little bit of pass rushing chops or he would be an upgrade over snacks in that department, but also is he's solid against the run. So I think that's a, a natural fit. Um, like Vernon Butler is another guy who I think Bob Quinn was actually super interested in on the pre-draft process uh, four or five years ago, Bob Quinn's first year when they took Taylor Decker, but that was for a different defense. But I still think Bob Quinn has always kind of drafted players that he was always for schemes that he was familiar with. And, you know, I think Vernon Butler would be an interesting choice. He had a good year last year. Uh, Hasn't necessarily lived up totally to that first round hype, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Lions get a couple defensive tackles and spend some money there, because I think that also hurts. You saw it last year. It hurts the linebackers a lot when the players up front are getting moved around and these relatively unathletic linebackers are asked to cover more than one gaps and they're not those type of players. They're guys that are supposed to be able to come downhill and not have to necessarily run and chase after guys. They can just fill their gaps and you, you know, the defensive tackles in front are doing their jobs and it does. It's, it requires a, a team effort to run this defense. And I think that last year kind of fell apart with all the injuries and just the defensive line crumbling in front of them. What do you what do you think about defensive tackles? I know I got into it with some people on Twitter about uh, everybody's so focused on defensive tackles because we're so lacking on them right now. But I don't put a ton of stock in them. I always hear the argument of oh they're the you know it's the closest person to the quarterback and if they can pressure it really just disrupts the other team. But I've always been more of yeah I want some guys that are stout and can kind of either hold the gaps or get up the field a little bit, but 
it's not a position I'm really willing to pay a ton of money on. So I've heard, you know, some of these names, the Shelby Harris, the, uh, the readers, and I'm just kind of like, uh, you know, not, that doesn't really get me going when it comes to a free agent acquisition. I mean, no, you need bodies there, but it wouldn't be my first attack when it comes to positions or spending. Well, I think, yeah, with pretty much no one right now at defensive tackle, it is definitely the biggest need, but you just look at what the Lions tried to do last year with their defensive tackle position, how much money and draft capital they invested to it. I do think it's a pretty good indicator of, you know, what they feel like they need and that defensive interior. And it, it is an important position. Uh, it's just with the type of guys that they typically have been taking, especially with Ashawn Robinson and snacks, they can't get to the quarterback. So it is infuriating that, you have these big guys who, when the defense is clicking, they can stop the run, but they're not really necessarily getting to the passer. And then you have two edge guys who also aren't known for getting to the passer either. So it would be ideal if the Lions could find a guy who's, you know, solid at the run, but can also provide inside pressure because it's, and fortunately these defensive tackles, the type the Lions are getting usually don't cost a ton of money. You have, your Aaron Donald's like the Gerald McCoy's, you know, back in his prime, you know, the gap shooting type of defensive tackles that don't necessarily fit the Lions scheme. You pay those guys a lot because they get to the quarterback, the Lions, the players that they're typically signing aren't gap shooters. They aren't guys that are a huge threat to get to the quarterback, but um, they kind of play to the man and provide power and at least can collapse the pocket. And considering the scheme or the drop, the Lions are dropping so many people back into coverage. In theory, though, you know, you should have that pocket start to collapse and, you know, get those coverage sacks. So it's it goes back to scheme, I think, where I, I do think the defensive tackle position is very important for this scheme, not only to just hold their ground to help the linebackers out, but also get some inside pressure to help the defensive ends out. Hmm, interesting. I, uh, I'm i curious to see where they go as well as, like you said, are they going to – are going to fill those same types or are they going to really evolve this defense? Cause I do think it needs to evolve. I've always been worried that they're trying to play, you know, 2009 Patriots football or 2000 Patriots football. And that's really not where we're at, but you know, like I said, as bad as the defense was, it was really good the year before there was like a Mike Daniels tweet where he was like, saying how good they could have been with him at the three, uh, Uncle Sean at the nose and uh, Snacks at the five. And I'm kind of like, man, none of you guys were even out there. And Sean's the only guy that made a couple plays when I was watching the games back and nobody wants him around anymore. So it's like, I, I don't know what's going on with that front, you know, because if we can't get it done with some of those beasts, like I don't know who they're going to bring in that's going to be able to get after it, but they got to do something. So we'll see. But uh, one more quick thing on free agency. Like I always think that, you know, it's so hard to predict and we're looking at these names and you could go through a whole bunch of litany of people really have no idea what their game plan is, which could be great or could be really disappointing of not having a couple big names or a couple people that were hoping they could come out and really be conservative and sign some low level players, which sometimes those guys work out as well. But one thing I think is really important is to keep our, our ears open to who's getting cut. Um, are they usually those are the older guys, but sometimes an older vet that gets cut can come and play for you for three years and really be a, be a helpful piece. So, you know, uh, not that I'm a fan of this guy, but Xavier Rhodes was the top corner. He just got let go. I think he's too slow to, uh, to, 
you know, play at a high level anymore. But then you got the Cordy Glenns, who was a huge big tackle and, and got dealt. And within a year, he's he's been let go by Cincy. So you're starting to see these guys come off the board already. A couple other cuts were made. Um, is that something you pay attention to when it comes to keeping your ear out there? And do you think a vet can come in that a lot of people think might be past his prime and help? Or are you always just leaning towards you got to get the, the new young shiny toy that's going to, you know, maybe be a superstar instead of getting a guy that could just come in and, and help off the street? Uh, yeah, you're always paying attention to free agents who get cut. And, you know, Xavier Rose, I think he is well past his prime. He had a horrible year last year. Yeah, somehow I still think he made the Pro Bowl, oddly enough. <laughs> but he was real but, good uh, like two years ago or like three years ago. He was he was super physical and really ago. good. So it's crazy how the, the shelf life is just boom, gone on some of these guys, you know? It is, and that's what you never know. And that's the scary part about Darius Slags. Like once corners start to get up to a certain age, sometimes they just fall off a cliff. And you don't want to be paying them a bunch of money for a few more years when that does happen. And you just never know when exactly that's going to happen. And with Darius Slay, it's like he's a, a guy who relies a ton on his physical ability and his foot speed and transitioning. And if that is gone, it's like you wonder what type of player he can be. And so it's, uh, it's Cordy Glenn. He's a guy who kind of interests me a little bit because he has positional versatility. He was, I mm-hmm. believe, he's playing left tackle um with Cincinnati but he also has some guard experience and the Lions are in need of a guard if they want just a mammoth of a man yeah he's almost 350 pounds you know and athletic enough to play tackle uh Bob Quinn does have a penchant for having former you know tackles line up at guard you look at TJ Lang and Joe Dahl and even you know Glasgow who wasn't uh a tackle but he looked like a tackle with just how (laughs) tall he was and kind of his build and his lateral agility, uh, that's very important to Bob Quinn. So, uh, Cordy Glenn, it'll be interesting to see what he gets. I don't think he's necessarily uh, been great the past few years. He had a couple really good years in Buffalo, but I think he's kind of fallen off, and hence the reason why he was released. But I'm always paying attention to these older vets. If you can get them at a good price, they usually at least provide some stability or a stopgap. And as, as long as I'm fine with the the older guys as long as they're not getting like extensions or, you know, like these big long-term deals, you know, just kind of a a one and done or maybe even two years. And uh, you have someone in the wings ready to replace them at some point, either through the draft or, you know, whatever, however you find a player. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you always question why players get cut, you know, that's, that's my big thing. Right, but that but that's always the easy argument where people on on you hear it on the radio all the time say that where, you know, he got cut for a reason. Well, the only there's lots of examples, but two that come to my brain is like Andrew Whitworth. Everybody thought he was done, and he went out to L.A. and played what three good seasons now, where he's been still a top left tackle. Um, you've got Adrian Peterson, who everybody thought was washed up and couldn't get a deal anywhere, and he's played really well for Washington at a position that you shouldn't play well at, at that, at that age. And, and like I said, everybody thought he was done. So I, I'm much more of a proponent of young guys, drafted guys, but 
I'm also like, you got to have a keen eye as a GM to be able to find these guys that get cut loose and that could fit, could help. I mean, everybody thinks it's so crazy too, but you know, Trent Williams is putting up a big issue there. He's a big physical tackle. He's going to cost you a lot of money, but I guarantee you he's better than Taylor Decker <laughs> from day one, you know, and like you said, uh, some of these other guys that could come in. When's the last time we had a big, real nasty mammoth, you know, tackle or guard? We're always getting these guys, oh, they can move really well. Well, they can't move anybody really well. That's the problem. <laughs> so I don't care how far, how great you can run down the field 15 yards if you can't blow the guy off the ball so our running back can get some yards. So I, I don't know. I think it's that delicate balance. I'd like to see the Lions capitalize a little bit more on – you know, these, these vets that get cut loose and not always overthink it. Or, hey, here's a note to Bob Quinn. If you're going to keep $10 million in your piggy bank, like, how about we how about we use it at some point so it helps? Or how about when you make a hole, fill it with a better player rather than sometimes he's cut people and just, like, not filled it at all or save the money the whole year. It's like I he's got to come through one of these days and use that at a really high level to help the team. So... Oh, that's free agency, man. We could just uh, go on and on. But uh, I'm really anxious to see what they're going to do because I haven't seen many good predictions, you know, across the board of that many people have a handle on it. You see everything from they're going to bring in Melvin Gordon to they're going to pay this guy or look out for this big signing. Byron Jones will give him 18, 20 million. It's like there's lots of ideas, but none of them seem to really be slam dunks where I'm like, yep, on like. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to hear that name bantied about for the Lions. It could be anybody, really. Yeah, there's the possibilities are endless, I think, because the Lions do have so many so many holes. They're not holes. They have players they like, uh, but there could be upgrades, and you just wonder where the Lions are going to decide to spend their money. And you also, they might go after players that don't end up signing Detroit. There are 31 other teams that uh, – and it's not necessarily like Detroit is – the top option for most free agents, you know, considering uh, where they're at as a franchise right now. And, um, you know, there's other spots that, you know, they might like better and the Lions could offer a lot of money to players and they still might not come. So it's, it is, you, you just don't know where the Lions are going to be able to find, you know, what position they're going to go after. And then if that player that they're strongly going after even signs and they have to go to plan B or plan C. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know. Outside of my prediction of the Lions will will take two defensive tackles in free agency, uh, I think they'll probably also go after a corner. And then outside there, it's like I I have no idea. I that's uh, those are my predictions, but <laughs> it could really go anywhere. Right. And note to fans real quick, like just because the Lions don't sign some of these big names that we talk about a lot doesn't mean that they're not getting good football players and and pretty much just expect them to get a few guys that are totally off your radar. And that doesn't mean that they're not good football players either, because, you know, I, I feel like some of those under the radar guys that we the, the fans, the public don't recognize are guys that the NFL loves. You know, they've got all the details on these guys. They've done tons of homework. It's their job. It's their day to day job to spend and just dive into these players and know every detail about them. So I always go in really open-minded until you sign and you, I see you on Sundays and you can't play. I try to lean on, you know, that these guys are the experts and, and give them the benefit of the doubt. But like you say, we as fans too do know some players that could help us scheme wise or, or holes we have. And, and it's always fun to have some of those names at the tip of your tongue saying, I hope they get this guy. And then if he comes in and plays well, it's always uh, really rewarding as well. So Logan, man, let's do this. Uh, me and you always get to, to chatting back and forth. 
our plan is we are going to actually load up the draft network. Me and Logan are going to be one of 32 teams, and we're going to alternate picks. So I've set him up where he'll be picking number three for the Detroit Lions. Unless he wants to make a trade out, we might be able to make that happen as well. We're going to go through the first round of the draft, give you our quick pick, as well as some, some thoughts on that player, why they might fit that team. And then we're going to sneak in the second round Lions pick as well, because I know a lot of you are interested. Like, okay, whoever they went with in round one, how are you going to pair that up in round two and make that uh, – make that worth our wild. So we'll do that coming right up after the break. All right, everybody, we're back from the break. We're going to do this thing, live mock draft, all 32 teams. Uh, cue you guys in on what uh, these other teams might be doing between me and Logan. So uh, to let Logan be the Lions GM, he's going to take the odds. I'll take the evens. Logan, with the first pick, in the NFL draft, you are the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. Go for it, man. All right. This pick should be an easy one for them. Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Uh, they need a quarterback. Dalton, you know, he's kind of had his time there. And Joe Burrow, with the type of season he had last year at LSU, is just insane. Uh, he really looks like, you know, the obvious pick. So I'm not going to spend too much more time on it. Yep, good stuff. I, I think Burrow has a lot of swag. I think he's going to be really a good leader in the NFL and be a good uh, quarterback for years to come. With the number two pick, uh, the Washington Redskins, I definitely think you could see a trade here. Um, I'm actually predicting that um, is that they, they will trade out or take Tua. But in this mock, to put the heat on you, I'm going to have the Washington Redskins selecting defensive end out of Ohio State. Chase Young, absolute beast, the predator. Take him off the board. That way you can't take him. See what you could do at three here for the Detroit Lions. And we do have trade options, but the the rules with the trade is if you would like to make a trade, you get one chance. So you can tell me one team you'd like to make a deal with, and and then we'll go through. You can make one offer. If it's accepted, we'll do it. If it's not accepted, uh, you will have to pick at three. So tell me what you'd like to do for our Detroit Lions right here on Believe in Lions. All right, so with Chase Young off the board, that is the pipe dream for the Lions. But uh, it is? for him, Chase no, Young not. to be available. <laughs> oh, you mean Chase um, Young is the pipe dream? Yes, yes. Okay. Not Chase him being Young taken second is not the pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. I should have phrased that better. <laughs> All right. Um, so if the Lions are at three and Chase Young is off the board, I do really feel like they have to explore – trade down possibilities because there is a lot of names that they could take at three and there's a lot of names that are still going to be available available for them later in the draft so uh you know miami let's call up miami and see what uh they want (laughs) to offer because i think miami is going to be in the market for trading up they have the most draft picks um at this point for me personally it's like i'll take just about anything miami wants to give me so the problem is you have one chance right now to try to get this deal done, Logan Lamarandier. What are you gonna What are you gonna ask for? We got the three and the five swap. What else are you gonna try to well, get out of these guys? Well, let's not get greedy. Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so there's only we're only doing a one round mock with going into the Lions second. So if I ask for a second, we're not even gonna get the. <laughs> All right, just for fun, let's ask for pick twenty six, and. We'll just see if that goes through. I think that'd be a great deal if the Lions could get another first-round pick just to move back two spots. 
Um, All right. Hopefully we get more than that, but let's test it out. <laughs> so we're flipping the three and the five, and Logan is asking for pick 26. It's a big ask. I don't know that the Dolphins will do this. Let's see what they say. They're thinking about it. They're thinking about it. The Miami Dolphins have accepted this deal. <laughs> you have just swapped Boom. out a number three and picked up an extra first rounder. It is late in the round, but the Lions are now picking number five. So let's uh, let's see here. Uh, let's have you go ahead and pick for the Dolphins then at three if they would have traded up. Who, who are you going to take for them now? So the Dolphins are obviously trading up for a reason, and they want a quarterback. And Tua Tagovailoa has a cleared bill of health, and they go with, the quarterback out of Alabama. Nice. I, uh, I'm i curious to see where he goes, if he's going to go that high or if there's going to be injury concerns. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely like that move for all parties involved, especially our Detroit Lions. So at number four here with the um, with the Giants, I mean, the Giants are a tough one for me. You know, you've got Akuda on the board who I've seen mock to them. You know, the, the new pick is uh, Tristan Wirfs based on what he did at the Combine. But, hey, you know, Gettleman loves him some big nasties. I'm going to go ahead and give him Makai Becton, the big tackle, 370-pound athlete out of Louisville. Just a monster of a man. So we'll go there at four. Lions are on nice. the clock at pick five. Logan, you've made the trade. Now you uh, have to make the selection. You've moved down a couple. You've picked up a, an extra 26 for us. What do you got here at five? Well, shoot, let's trade down again. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's, that would be awesome. That's the ideal situation, but I don't think it's going to happen, so I won't even entertain the idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Justin Herbert's still on the board for some quarterback-needy teams. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at, at pick five, we'll stay there, and I'm going with the cornerback out of Ohio State, Jeffrey Okuda. <laughs> uh, he's a player who I think is going to play a lot. Um, he can come right in and play. I know cornerbacks sometimes have a learning curve, but you've also seen plenty of players come right in, like a Tredavious White or a Marshawn Lattimore, who have a ton of rookie success. And I think Okuda, some people kind of soured on him after he ran the 4-4-8-40, which is still plenty fast enough considering his change of direction skills and everything that he does well. I think he is just um, – I'm still on board with Okuda all the way. I know there's some other players like Isaiah Simmons that fans will like or Derek Brown, but it's still Okuda. It gives the Lions a little leeway if they do need to trade Darius Slay, have someone in line for that. And I think long term, just with this scheme that Detroit's running that's very man heavy uh, and needs coverage guys because they don't rush the quarterback or blitz often, uh, I'm going with Jeffrey Okuda. All right. Well, real quick, you've noticed I haven't hit select on this trade yet because I just want to fight you on one thing. So last time you were on the show, I told you if you take Akuda up high, you may regret it because in that second round, we may have some good corners. You've obviously thought that over and you've totally debunked my advice and decided to go with the corner up top anyway. Now, since then, I've come your way a little bit where I really like Jeff Okuda. He looked like a five-year pro to me just based on his mentality, just everything he has physically and his ability to play the game. So I'm on board with the player. But if I'm making this pick at five, Logan... I would be selecting Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. I've fallen in love with this guy. Uh, I was watching an interview just yesterday, and he said 
he would learn five to six, maybe even seven positions each week at Clemson. He, he is his football intelligence is off the charts. His versatility, he can run, hit, blitz, cover, do it all. That would have been my pick. But hey, this is your pick at five, buddy. So I'm going with Jeff Okuda. I just wanted to get my two cents in there and tell the people that you just never listen to me on the show, which is obvious. Well, that's okay. Uh, so with you with you making that pick, you got your corner. We'll see how that uh, shapes up for the team. I'm here at six with the Chargers. I'm gonna go ahead and and make this quick. Um, the Chargers is the team I could see moving up for Tua. I think that'd be a nice landing spot for him as well. But since he's off the board, it's a quarterback league. Let's go ahead and give him Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Uh, I've seen some mocks say Jordan Love, who's another player I love. But um, you know, I think just safer bet getting a, getting a kid like that probably fit really well on the West Coast out there. So you're up number seven with the Panthers. So for the Panthers, um, I think they are in need of interior defensive line and also a quarterback or a corner. But uh, Derek Brown, I think, you know, before the combine was probably the easy pick. Uh, He's had some question marks, though. He didn't look like a superb athlete by any means at the combine. And not that a 326-pounder needs to be, though, but I still think he has the potential uh, that, you know, teams would like. And he shows enough power that he doesn't necessarily need to be quick. Um, so I'm still going to go with Derek Brown for the Panthers at seven because, they, like I said, I think that's the biggest uh, area of weakness that they have right now considering their free agencies, the guys that they have in the middle. All right. I'm not going to promote this guy for every pick, but again, there I probably would have went Simmons as well if he's still on the board because he's right from there, that area playing out of Clemson, uh, a very versatile piece for that whole new regime that's going to play there. But uh, I could see Derek Brown slipping down the board quite a bit. I still like him as a player, but I could see him getting into the, the mid-teens, uh, to be honest, based on how this might fall. Um, good good player, though. I, at number eight um, with the Arizona Cardinals, I feel like they really need some offensive line help. They did just bring back DJ Humphreys and have some other guys on that line as well. And they've, they've brought back Larry Fitz for another season. Oh my gosh, this guy's never going to not play. But uh, since this is a mock, I just think it's too fun to pass up. Let's go ahead and pair up Kyler Murray and C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is an absolute beast. We saw that at the Combine. We saw that through his college career at Oklahoma. By the way, Kyler Murray went to Oklahoma. I think that could be dynamic. Let's give him a a piece that can be the future when Larry Fitz does hang it up, as well as the the current um, ball player there. C.D. Lamb to Arizona at number eight. All right. So at nine, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting, and somehow Isaiah Simmons is still on the board, probably at my own fault for picking Derek Brown <laughs> over him. Uh, but, hey, crazier things have happened. I still like Derek Brown, so that's why I chose him for the uh, Panthers. But, yes, the Jaguars having still Isaiah Simmons on the board, being that it's a need for the team, I think that's an easy selection for an attacking style. If it's Isaiah Simmons' uh, linebacker abilities, they'd probably play him at linebacker. So, yes, Isaiah linebacker is the pick for them. I I don't like how Jacksonville continues to go defense, 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 and every year they wonder, like, why is their offense so bad? <laughs> it's like, because you've drafted <laughs> defense other than Leonard Fournette for the past decade, you know, and you, they've had some hits, but then they trade them away, and then the misses they've had as well uh, on some of those picks. So, I don't know. I mean, they'll probably do it again, but man, that team needs some offensive infusion or, or even offensive line as well. 
Um, the this is an easy pick right here for the Cleveland Browns, and there's so many. Well, it's an easy pick positionally, but there's some tough choices. So they've got to go offensive line, offensive tackle. And there's no question. Um, you've got Wirfs, you've got Jedrick Wills, and uh, who's the other tackle? You got Andrew Thomas. Um, this might surprise some people, but uh, Tristan Wirf showed up big and freaky athlete, big old quads and legs. But I like Jedrick Wills when you're just looking at a, just a born to be offensive tackle. You can just put him out there either on either side of the ball. So I'm going to take him actually for the Cleveland Browns. Well, nice. I uh, I think that the Jets will appreciate that picking at 11. <laughs> Not that. Uh... <laughs> Wills would have been any consolation prize, but I like Werfs personally um, a little bit better than Wills. So I think, again, another team with offensive tackle needs in the Jets, the Jets will gladly tra- take Tristan Werfs out of Iowa offensive tackle. There you go. Number 12, I get to pick for the Raiders. Uh, man, I, I love it how many picks they've had over the last couple of years, and I just never know what they're going to do. I mean, I could see Judy being the pick here. I could see them going, um, you know, with with some of these defensive players. Uh, gosh, they have, they have linebacker, receiver, and a corner as their top needs. Uh, who's going to, man, they also are in the quarterback market, I guarantee it, because they do not love David Carr as much as they say. Uh, Let's go ahead. I could see this guy falling a little bit, but to me at this point, he's too good to pass up. I'm going to give them an offensive skill guy as well, Uh, Jerry Judy, um, just kind of best player available, even though I love defense. So go ahead and give him to the Raiders moving to Vegas. He could be exciting to watch, sell some jerseys. Yeah, I'm sure Gruden would like Jerry Judy. They need a receiver. So on to 13, got the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Another quarterback team that's a possibility. Um, And so with the quarterbacks on the board, you know, it just depends on if they like one more than another. But I think Jordan Love would, would be a natural selection for them, just considering that they're looking for a quarterback. Um, Big player, strong arm fits the bill quarterbacks always seem to be drafted you know a little bit overdrafted so they could use a receiver um and there's still some good ones a lot of good receivers in this class so i'm still going jordan love uh for the colts lots of rumor and innuendo about philly rivers going there would you would you bring in phil rivers and draft jordan love and then there's your there's your succession plan like let phil Riv play for a year or two and just let love sit there or are you just gonna just draft love and play him they still – so, Brissett, obviously, if they bring in Phillip Rivers, it kind of shows how much they think about Brissett. And Rivers is a stopgap option. He didn't look great last year. So, you still are going to need a young guy to groom, and maybe they would – they think Jordan Love needs a little developmental time. I could totally see them grabbing Rivers, having Brissett, and still going Jordan Love. So, I don't think that changes my pick. All right, good stuff there. Um you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that I think is in the quarterback market. I, I can't believe people are actually talking about Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, that just would make no sense. That would be Jordan and Wizards gear to me. That would just not be what I'm hoping for in the slightest. Um, you know, I could see them reaching for a quarterback or trading down. But if they're sitting there here and picking again, I'm going to do what I do often, which is my best player available strategy. And and right here, I mean, I think Javon Kinlaw is a beast. So. 
<clears throat> they've got offensive tackle quarterback and interior defensive line as needs. I'm going to take that interior defensive line, Javon Kinlaw. I think he's an absolute stud. Yeah, it'd be a nice pairing with Vita Vea. That'd be uh, quite the duo. Yep. So on to pick 15 is the Denver Broncos. Um, they have quite a few needs, but wide receiver seems to be a favorite uh, selection for them um, in mock drafts. And so having Henry Ruggs, having a deep threat still on the board, um, you know, kind of complement everything that he'd, he'd have around him, I think would be a good fit and good value at this point. So Henry Ruggs will be the pick for the Denver Broncos at 15. There you go. That's, uh, that's a good pick for them. Um, I got the Atlanta Falcons at 16. I've seen a lot of names mocked to them you know different type positions looking at their needs edge cornerback interior defensive line running back um corner i top guy on the board is uh, clavion chase on there's people split on this guy is is he incredible is he kind of a you know a, a one-year wonder or kind of a boom bust guy i like what he brings and if that's their top need as an edge type player i i like the kind of juice he brings off the edge and if they can get their defense healthy, I think Atlanta could be uh, a bounce-back type defense. So I'll go ahead and take uh, Chase on there. I I like Chase on. He's one of my guys. Um, the Lions were picking more to trade back. I like Chase on. He has, he has some issues, but when he has some major flashes that just look like he could be a tear at the next level. But on to 17 for the Cowboys. I feel like uh, – <laughs> Every single year, when is it going to end that the Cowboys aren't mocked as safety? But um, they also, who knows what's going to happen with Byron Jones. They have quite the issues right now with trying to retain all these players that they have. They could also use a cornerback. And C.J. Henderson, uh, not very good tackler, but in terms of his skill set and just everything you look for in a corner, he has elite athletic ability, has the length. I think the Cowboys will pass and take the better value and go with C.J. Henderson, cornerback from Florida. <laughs> nice. I love how you teed that up, too, because I was going to be like, I know you're taking a safety here, right? Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they continue to not do it, and it continues to be a need, and they can't ever get Every Earl, Earl Thomas year. in. <laughs> how many times were they going to get Earl Thomas in free agency and never did? It's just a revolving door there. They can't get that filled. It's hilarious. So I got the, uh, the Dolphins. They went ahead and took. 2-0 with a uh, a nice trade up there with the Detroit Lions, which again I'm glad here at 26 I'll get to uh, either fix or compliment your pick that you made earlier for our Lions, so that'll be good. But uh, at 18, the Dolphins, man, they they need lots of uh, lots of things, and uh, it must be nice to have the type of draft capital they have. So I can pretty much take anybody I want here. Um, gosh, it's kind of tough. Let me look at there. So edge, offensive tackle. Interior lineman. Um, just looking down the board here. I, I guess you just uh, we've been following some chalk here in this mock, but uh, if I can get Andrew Thomas at 18, I mean, some people don't love him. He was a lot higher. He's kind of falling down the board. I feel like they traded Tunsil. This would be a guy they could come and get. Uh, it's too early for me to be taking, you know, the Epinezes. We've been seeing him fall and the other edge guys. So let's take care of their other need take care of their quarterback a little bit and get Andrew Thomas, big offensive tackle from Georgia. Yeah. Pick 18. I mean, he's, he was projected to be a top five in a lot of early the mocks. So 
He also had a strong combine. All four of the top tackles really did. So I think the Dolphins would be very happy with him at 18. Moving on to 19, have another Oakland Raiders selection. Already drafted receiver earlier. And now they still have a glaring need at linebacker. They just released former Lion uh, to hear Whitehead. They had a private meeting already before kind of uh, the whole coronavirus deal hit with Kenneth Murray. So um, Kenneth Murray is often pegged as a later um, first or early second type of player. But given that uh, they also (laughs) have been known to reach for players that they like, uh, both Gruden and Mayock, um, I'm going Kenneth Murray with their selection. I think they really like it. Over Patrick Queen, you'd take Murray. I would. I think Murray is just as athletic, a little bit bigger, more of an old-school smash-mouth type of player that I just feel like Gruden would love for, for some odd reason. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't mind the fit. I mean, I would definitely go Queen over Murray just from athleticism and upside. But um, like you said, for the team, I, I could definitely see that happening. It's To me, it's a little tough taking taking Kenneth Murray at 19. I, he, I've seen him in the second round. But uh, I think it does make a lot of sense from a team and need perspective. So uh, comes around here to 20 with the Jags. The uh, who who do we take for the Jags earlier? We got Isaiah Simmons. You took on defense. We got look at their needs: corner, linebacker, which you already took, safety, interior, defensive, and edge. Oh, by the way, they have receiver in there. So I, I complained about them never going on the offensive side of the ball. Let me take a look: Justin Jefferson, Lavishka Nault. Um, you know, I, I I there's been talk about Justin Jefferson around one, but. You know, that, that'd be tough for me to do. You know, they got Leonard Fournette there, so they don't need a running back. All the quarterbacks are off the board. And uh, no top tight ends in this draft. So I guess I'm going to go defense for them. Um, and it says they need a corner. They've obviously traded both of their good corners, so we got to get something. The uh, Let me take a quick look at the corner market. Um, yep, uh, it's got to be Christian Fold, not LSU. 20 to me seems high for him, but... He's still rated highly on the draft network. And like I said, I like him as a player. I don't know that he'll go that high, but, um, you know, corners are very valuable. So Christian Fulton's a pick at 20. Well, you kind of stole my pick that I wanted most for Philadelphia. (laughs) Eagles need corners and the the Cowboys need safeties. That's how it goes. (laughs) That's right. But uh, I already passed over Patrick Queen once and, uh, the Eagles still could use linebackers, and Patrick Queen fits in that system as being a super athletic uh, guy that's able to cover. And so I think Patrick Queen is a decent fit and a need. So a good value overall for the Eagles at 21. Nice. I like that. I like that fit as well as the uh, the reasoning behind it. So good pick there. The uh, The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are always a big enigma to me. Like, I don't know. Like, they're a good team. I can't say I like many of the players on their team. Uh, you know, it just seems odd. Uh, but they won won some good games last year, made some plays, looking over their needs. Wide receiver, edge, corner. Gosh, A.J. Epinesa feels like a Buffalo Bill player, doesn't he? But I don't know if I can do it at 22 here. Um, wide receiver, d- d- did you hear the rumors about Amari Cooper maybe going to Buffalo? I mean, to me, that's a cash grab if I ever saw it, don't you think? <laughs> right. It, they they could use the help. 
They, they could, no doubt. Justin Jefferson doesn't seem like a player that would like perform well in that that setting. Hmm. Gosh, you know who I love too? Gross Matos, edge guy. I could just reach on him here if I wanted to. Yep, I'm gonna yeah. do it. Uter, uh, <laughs> at 22. It's uh higher than you'd think, but for some reason I feel like he's a Buffalo Bill edge guy. I think I was listening to the um, draft dudes and the guy, one guy's from Buffalo. I think he loved Uter Groats Matos. He might have waited and traded for him, but I'm gonna do that now just for uh, get him on the squad. Yeah, Joe Marino, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Yep, he's a Buffalo guy. Good and guy. So now at 23, we have the New England Patriots on the clock. Picking high. And they are a lot way up the board than normal. <laughs> They'll trade down for like three second rounders. I'm sure they will. <laughs> so again, you never really know what the Patriots are going to do. They just kind of do whatever they want. And, you know, who knows what their quarterback situation is going to look like. But I don't think. Uh, I'm not going to project any quarterback there yet. Uh, AJ Epinesa is a fit for the Lions as well as the Patriots, but um, I think you know who knows what's going to happen with that interior offensive line. Is this later in the draft is usually the sweet spot to take the top-rated offensive lineman. Um, so they met with this guy at the combine. I'm going with Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, interior offensive lineman out of LSU. Um, a lot of he's kind of one A one B with Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, but um, Cushenberry, like I said, I think the Patriots like him. They're going to need some interior help, so we'll go with Cushenberry. All right, my only issue with it is if you're going to say the name, it's a very royal name. You have to say it properly. It's Lloyd Cushenberry III. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the third at the end. I'm an idiot. He's a, he's a center um, – Center guard type, but yeah, he's a he's a big dude. I, I'm curious where he'll go. We'll see. But uh, like you say, it's always hard to predict the Patriots. No doubt about it. Uh, another team here that's a little bit tough is the uh, the New Orleans Saints. It says they need an interior, a wide receiver, linebacker, corner. Hmm. And like I said, we just went to the well. I, I don't know what good Larry Warford or what they're doing on the interior. I know what Andres Pete, I believe, is a free agent as well. It sounded like they may not bring him back. I can't believe that Ruiz uh, has been getting the buzz he has, but I've seen him a lot towards the end of this round. I'll go ahead and just give him that top need of interior lineman. Cesar Ruiz there seems just like a plug-and-play, nuts-and-bolts football player for Sean Payton and company. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, Cushenberry and Ruiz will probably go in a similar spot. Like I said, I think they're 1A, 1B. Uh, they're my personal top interior linemen, and they can play guard or center. So I think some teams will like them, and it is. The, the mid-20s is usually the sweet spot to grab those top interior linemen. So you know what the, I think uh, it definitely happen. You know what the Saints need, too, though? is like I could see them getting Jefferson or Chenault like, to team up with Big Mike because like, Mike Thomas got no running mates down there. He needs another guy. But well, that's I, true too. I, 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 I could I, definitely I, see that. I didn't do it. I went for the protect your breeze and, and just throw Mike Thomas 200 balls a year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on to pick 25, which is the Minnesota Vikings who, uh, man, this might be a tough one. Cause they obviously need a cornerback now letting Xavier Rhodes go. They could use some interior defensive line help interior offensive line. They went, 
and drafted an interior offensive lineman first round last year. Um, I mean, they could go a lot of different spots, but I think cornerback has probably got to be that top um, need for them right now. And you look at the type of players that are available. I wish, I really wish Jeff Gladney had a better combine. He's a little smaller um, than I thought he was. Did you hear about his injury? Um, he's had like a torn I meniscus didn't. and he like for a while and he knew going into the combine, he still ran four, four, whatever. And he's getting oh, it prepared. Really? It'll be out four to six weeks or something, but he should be back in I time. I somehow missed camp. that. Yeah. So that makes things interesting. Yep. Um, but you know what, you know, what I really want to do, I, I would love to pair Trevon Diggs, put him, uh, with his, <laughs> is Diggs brother? I know they're related. Is that, it's not his brother, is it? Uh, yeah, they're related. Sure. I, I can't remember as well, but yep, they uh, they got the guy that catches the football, and then uh, Trayvon is the corner that catches the football. He makes a lot of plays on the ball. Yeah, another big corner, kind of an Xavier Rhodes type. Yeah, I could also see him looking at AJ Terrell. Oh, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? AJ Terrell or Trayvon Diggs? I'm gonna go Terrell. I think. People are kind of knocking on him a little bit because he had a poor national championship game, but he still has some great film, tested very well, uh, is a man corner, has the athleticism. I'll go A.J. Terrell here. All right. That's a uh, that's a Logan pick. He was four or five corners down on the Draft Networks board. He's going with his uh, his hunch there and, and, and taking him. Like I say, still those four or five corners are, you know, good value here in the late round. So I am up for the Detroit Lions uh, at number 26 after a tremendous trade down by Logan. So I could make this pick. And so we could get more selections. The Lions, uh, you know, took the corner up top. So depending on what they do with Slay, they're feeling good. Um, linebacker, edge, interior. Now we got offensive tackle. Those are all needs on the board. Um, gosh, at 26... And I'm such a fan of some of these safeties that are still staring me in the face. But like you say, you got to almost believe in uh, B-L-E-A-V, that is, in uh, Will Harris and Tracy back there. Um, gosh, it's a tough pick, i got to say. I, I, I'm curious on your opinion with this. So since we went corner and the linebackers have been picked – you know, and to me, like we've talked about it before, the linebackers are kind of on the roster. Like they could go get a an edge type or or coverage guy, but they do have a lot of guys already under contract in that system. So the big glaring hole is that other side opposite of Flowers. And I could see this guy getting in the second round. He's really been tumbling down the board, but I just don't see anybody else that I'd be willing to take right here from a value and just a position of need. So I think the Lions would probably go ahead and take A.J. Epinesa here, the big edge from Iowa. His, his athleticism worries me a little bit, but I think just not only with his hustle, but just the type of kid he would be, I, I think that it'd be another safe pick, but a pick that um, could make some plays and maybe you could get a, a freaky edge rusher later. So, um, you know, Josh Jones was a consideration at offensive tackle based on where we're at now with that. Um but with the two interior guys gone, and uh, I don't, just don't see anybody that blows me away. McKinney and Delpit are my two guys, but I would hope maybe they get to round two, or, or that'd be more of a luxury pick, I think, because you already have the two safeties. So, um, you know, based on what I'm looking at, that's probably where I'm I'm going here with this uh, 
number 26 overall that you got to me and and a lot of lions fans would probably be saying man like he was projected to us at but five earlier before when we were sitting there and then you know now he's fallen all the way down to 26 that's good value i guess it just worries me like how many times he can get after the quarterback and will he translate to the next level but he's big he's physical and he's He's a wide open spot where you could put him and Okwara on the other side and see if you could get some production out of those guys. So that's my pick. AJ Epinesa out of Iowa for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, no, I like it. And I, he's a guy who I keep hoping falls to the second round. He was yeah, uh, it's it, like worrisome, unathletic. Uh, he came in at you know, around like 275 pounds at the combine, which is a really big edge guy. But you just look at the type of player he is. He plays a lot like Trey Flowers has the versatility to move inside, you know, as kind of like a five-tech tackle. So I think both yeah. him and Flowers could kind of rotate in and out uh, between the, the five-tech and that down defensive end spot. And they, they'd make it work with Epinesa. And I don't know if there's a ton of type of defenses that Epinesa would fit into, but I think the Lions is just perfect, you know, what they ask their linemen to do and the strengths of Epinesa. I do think he's a really good fit. I think he could play immediately and not just behind Trey Flowers because there's a little bit of positional versatility. So I do. I like the Epinesa pick. I was kind of hoping he fell to the second round, but the Lions have another first-round pick. Later in the first round, I could totally see him going after Epinesa. And real quick, we'll keep this moving. Like, I don't think it's a sprint to the podium type of pick at that point, but I think, like, he's the type of player you take there because of – how it shook out. Like I said, uh, I'm not trying to (laughs) put it on you, but we just looked at the corners that are still left and we only got six picks. uh, What do we got? Eight picks, three, eight picks basically till our pick in the second round. And there's, there's quite a few corners, you know, Gladney digs. I was going to make you pronounce this, but I'll do it because I did the other day. Noah, Igbenogany out of Auburn, a freaky athlete, a guy that can uh, make plays. My guy Dantzler is there. You got Damon Arnett. This is what I'm saying, Logan. Like, look at all these corners. That's why even as as good as as your boy is, you got to maybe wait because we could have, like, taken a corner there that we loved and waited maybe till 35 for Epineza. But we, we could have done it the other way, too. Tech Epineza and waited and got definitely one of those guys that could have been our corner and had Simmons up top on your <laughs> trade down. Oh, I man. Still, so pre-combine, I, there were some corners I liked. I had question marks about uh, Gladney being one of them. I, you know, I did like him. Um, and with that injury situation, who knows? But he is a little smaller. Uh, than I thought he was to maybe be a full-time outside corner. Yeah. Igbenogane, he's, I don't know. I'm, I'm hot and cold on him. Uh, I thought he would test a little better and he just seemed all right. Trevon Diggs, uh, a big player. Almost as I feel like is almost more of like a zone off ball type of guy though. Yeah. Has the length to play man, but the, the foot quickness isn't quite there. Dantzler, I was disappointed. Just, you know, he's a big guy is six, two, but, then he has one of the shorter wingspans at the combine, and that's why you want guys with height because you want that wingspan. So, I was, and then he didn't test well either. So I'm like, okay, well that may not be a second round consideration either. And same with uh, Damon Arnett, a guy who, and um, Akuda's running mate at Ohio State, he he just didn't test very well. And you know, picking a guy that high, I, I want someone who's a little bit more balanced and more complete. So you know, I I'm looking at these cornerbacks and. Yeah, I, I think they'll be okay, but I still would want Akuda first. I still yeah. think Akuda's that good. And maybe I'm just overvaluing Akuda. 
but I really liked his game. So yeah. I'm not sweating it at all over <laughs> taking a CUDA, but yeah, no, it's a I good, mean, it's a good break. Their own. Everyone has the players they like. Oh yeah. And it's a good breakdown. I'm just saying like, even though you don't love those guys that you just named, like you're picking them at pick 35 at that point. So that's still a really high pick, but it's, you know, it's 30 picks after you took Okuda. So of course they're going to be less talented and whatnot, but um, they still, I mean, especially Gladney to me. Yeah. He's smaller, but he talks trash. He gets up in your face. He's physical. He can, uh, he can get after you like, you know, uh, the kid out of Auburn can, can return kicks. He can, he can do some other things there. So like they all have their, uh, that's what I always say in the draft. It's a trade-off between like, yeah, you take the guy up top. Of course he's going to be a stud, but like, how is it valued way later in, in conjunction with what you would have got? Because like I say, I like our combos right now. We got Okuda and we got Epineza in our back pocket. So at 35, which you'll be selecting, like you're going to have lots of options. You can go there, but same would have been if we had Simmons and then, you know, either the corner or the big guy and then kind of see how it falls. It's all about kind of playing that game. So I, I don't mind how it's shaken out. And I like your takes on those corners. But to me, none of the corners are are perfect other than Okuda as close as you get. But that's why you got to take them in the top five or seven to get him. So let's uh, let's exactly. finish thing out, man. Twenty seven, the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Who you got? All right. So at twenty seven with the Seahawks, um, let's go back to the they drafted LJ Collier. Collier, however you pronounce his name, right? <laughs> defensive end last year, kind of reached for him. Didn't really think he was going to be a first round prospect. And uh, they took the guy from C- TCU. So I was like, all right, but they still need an edge. Uh, they still can always use offensive line help. I feel like they're always looking for offensive line help. Maybe that's a byproduct of Russell Wilson holding on to the ball and liking to you know, scramble around a little bit, which makes their line look a little worse than it is. Um, but I think the offensive tackles, um, there's still some good ones on the board. Josh Jones has been getting a lot of hype. Uh, same with Austin Jackson. So I think it might be between probably those two guys. Um, I have Josh Jones rated a little higher uh, than Austin Jackson. Um, but I know there's plenty of other people that like Austin Jackson out of USC more than Josh Jones. So uh, it might be one of those situations where Seattle has one they prefer. But I'm going to go with Josh Jones out of Houston for him. Yeah, that seems to be the BPA pick as well as uh, a kid that's got some upside. And like you say, the Seattle always seems to take those guys and sort of make them into good football players, you know, um, find a way to, to make a makeshift offensive line good with Russell Wilson back there. So I got the um, the Baltimore Ravens. This is one of my favorite teams because I feel like they always nail the draft. I feel like they take the best player doesn't matter at what position, whether it be rush ends or, or, you know, running backs. And, and when you look at their draft at the end of the day, you're always like, oh, man, I, I like their picks, you know, for the most part of what they usually do. Now, I know I think it was Bucky Brooks or Daniel Jeremiah had them taking DeAndre Swift. They said he'd be the best player available. You know, you kind of groom him with Mark Ingram on the back end of his contract there. That's interesting. I, I don't really... I think they're already doing plenty good and they didn't even really give justice Hill an option um, to do anything yet. I really liked him coming out with his juice. So I'd probably pass on that. Um, I'm just looking interior and interior offensive line. Um, let me see where Gallimore is ranked. Neville Gallimore seems like a Baltimore guy, just an absolute, just a beast of a, a bowling ball type player. 
consider him. Um, I'm really, you know, again, McKinney is just my guy. Like, I don't want him falling out of the first round here, but I, I guess, like, with Earl and some of the other pieces they got there, I won't go that route. So let's go ahead and fill one of their needs. Again, sometimes it's a little harder to do for these other teams. We don't know all the ins and outs. Take a quick look at linebackers since that was one of their things. Yeah, I don't like any of those guys right here. So this guy could make it to round two, obviously, but at 28, I'll go ahead and take him position to need and just seems like a Baltimore-type guy, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, interior defensive tackle. Yeah, he's got some juice to him. He's yeah. got a lot, a lot of power, too. He does. He, I think he'd fit in that Ravens defense really good and just provide them you know, with another elite athlete, a big man. And I feel like Baltimore's always got those guys, but – on to 29, you got the Tennessee Titans. Um, so their needs, you know, you got edge. I know they have Harold Landry, but they could uh, use a guy across from him. Um, interior offensive line, which we've already taken really the top two guys. Um, you know, they're just a, a team that has, you know, obviously they went deep in the playoffs, but you're just trying to wonder, you know, they, I think they could go a lot of different directions. Um, they also could use a tight end, but there's, I don't think there's going to be any tight end uh, in the first round taken because they just did release Delaney Walker today. Um, so they, as far as receivers go, they drafted A.J. Brown last year. They still have Corey Davis. You know, they, uh, I think they're a running team. So, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to know what happens um, with Henry at, at the running back spot, if they are able to retain him, because there's some good, uh, really solid running backs that could be had at the end of the first. But, um, oh, man, I wonder if, if there's a lot of good receivers. They could use some interior defensive line help. I'll go uh, Justin Blacklock from TCU, interior defensive lineman. Ross um, Blacklock. You know, it's a defensive-minded team. Yep. Yep, okay. Blacklock. Okay. Um, defensive-minded team, and I think uh, he would fit nicely. He's he's on my, like, Lions to watch now because I've seen him a lot, but I, I haven't I haven't put my eyes on him too much. But I've heard a lot of good things. I think he was on NFL Network a couple of days ago and uh, seemed like a really, really top-of-the-line good, good kid as well as a – a good player but he he was kind of off my radar till recently so um you'll see if he gets in a late round one or two is kind of his range it looks like oh can i can i pass up this pick can i forfeit it for the green bay packers can i let the clock run out so they just don't get the pick that would be nice um, they just forfeit their pick for no reason <laughs> exactly <laughs> they got they got offensive line uh wide receiver they could looking at wide receiver seems to be what i'm hearing a lot is that they want to get another burner or a guy to to kind of you know supplement aaron Rodgers. they obviously just got rid of uh, Jimmy Graham, but like you said, no real tight ends fit at, at this point. And then just looking at the offensive tackles, like Austin Jackson, you you kind of detailed him. I mean, I've heard he's real talented. He's great. And I've heard he's lazy and isn't going to be a good football player, even though like he, he gave away his kidney or something. So he kind of had a down year. Um, but I, I don't think they go, they go offensive tackle. They're going to look for some real, some real juice here. So between Justin Jefferson, Chenault, or this guy who I've been seeing in the first round blew up at the combine, looks like an absolute beast. 
let's go ahead off the radar a bit. Let's go ahead and give him Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Uh, just seemed like he's got he's had just such a good process, even though I feel like some of those other guys are have the bigger names. I feel like he's been moving his way up the board, so we'll give him to the Packers. For for whatever reason, Mims feels like a Packers type of guy. You know, just <laughs> a really good athlete can make ridiculous catches, the type of catches that will frustrate other teams. Are like, how do you make that catch? Or right. how did Rodgers put the ball in that window and he still came down with it? I, I could see them going after Mims. He he really helped himself, helped himself out a lot at the combine. So And real quick, what's crazy is that you look at those other names and like, do you do this sometimes? I'm always looking at people going like, ah, Justin Jefferson seems like a guy that would excel out and like, you know, with the Chargers, you know, LaVisca Chenault, right. that underneath catch-and-go guy that you could see on on some of these high-powered offenses, you know, that are out there. But I don't see those guys or T. Higgins out in the out in the frozen tundra. So I always feel like I'm trying to, like, pair them up, too, of, like, would this guy fit in this city or on this type of culture? And, like, Mims, to me, felt like a guy, like you said, that could fit, and those other guys would be great somewhere else. Like, same with T. Higgins. He's got to be, like, on the West Coast somewhere where they could just throw him those jump balls or let him run around the field everywhere but uh i always do that when i'm at the draft i'm like man i love that player but i can't see him playing in uh you know up uh up in minnesota or something you know (laughs) no i I totally agree (laughs) there's always like certain players for whatever reason like ah that doesn't seem like he'd end up there for whatever reason just a right. name or where he played at school <laughs> right like nah it doesn't seem like green bay type of player <laughs> yeah so yeah on to 31 uh we got san francisco 49ers um and they you know as a super bowl winning team or a super bowl they made it to the super bowl um nfc champions you know that obviously they have a very talented roster and again at this point in the draft you're starting to Asked to predict players who, you know, sometimes teams just like a lot more than others, and you can't really necessarily say who who they'll take. But um, with the cornerback spot, you know, they have Richard Sherman, who is getting up there in age. Um, they have Akella Willerspoon. You know, they have some decent corners, but I don't – I think there's still a, a solid fit for them at cornerback, and that's Trevon Diggs, kind of in the mold a little bit maybe a poor man's Richard Sherman. So um, I'll go Trevon Diggs there for San Francisco. Nice. I like like your reasoning there. I've got the Kansas, the world champion, Kansas City Chiefs at 32. I mean, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, it makes me laugh because, like, I'm looking at their needs and, like, you look, you say, man, they got, like, a high-flying offense. Like, they um, – you know, more apt to sort of sure up that defense and get some guys that can cover the pass or can get after the passer. No, I don't think so. I think Andy Reid is so um, just brazen with just wanting to sling it around and spread teams out that uh, he's going to go right here with DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Just give them a sick running back that can catch, can run, can make people miss. I mean, good luck trying to deal with the speed burners, their quarterback, and now this running back in the backfield. Yeah, that'd be pretty nasty in that offense. <laughs> yeah. Don't you feel like Andy Reid's like, it. I don't care about defense. We'll figure it out. We're just going to outscore people and just sling it around the yard. That's what I feel like he says in every meeting that he's at. Yeah. Another LeSean McCoy type almost. Just, <laughs> yeah. with, you know, Swift's versatility. Yeah. All right. And on to the second round now. 
So we got the, the Bengals making their other pick or their first pick of the second round, and they already had, you know, Joe Burrow go number one overall. Um, A.J. Green is getting up there in age, and you don't know really what's going to happen with him. So yeah, I think you have to look at receivers to kind of pair up. They have Tyler Boyd there already, but, uh, you know, just give some weapons to, to Burrow, and it makes a lot of sense. I know we talked about how we just could see players – matching up in certain spots well there's justin jefferson burrow's teammate still available at pick 33 so he is going to be the selection and have he'll be the successor to aj green and uh give some familiarity with burrow oh man that's so funny we we're just talking about it because that's exactly what i mean like i love that fit i love with the quarterback i think he could play there i think that that gives them if they keep aj green you got him jefferson boyd you know you've got mixon in the backfield they go from like this horrible team to like an explosive offense in one year, you still got to protect and, and do some other things on defense. But yeah, that that's a perfect fit to me. I love that. Um, I got the Colts here at 34 and the Colts too, like, you know, went ahead and took love, which I, I, I absolutely do love that pick. That was great. Um, they also have receiver, which it seems like they're always taking wide outs, you know, T Y never goes anywhere. He seems like he's 40 years old, but he's still out there. And I always think they need defense. You know, I feel like they got a good offensive line and, and decent offense, even though some of their guys are getting older, but they have to go on the defensive side of the ball. Um, gosh, I don't know if there's anybody I like at this spot, though. Let me go ahead and look at the uh, overall. They got Marlon Max. So you're kind of passing on the running backs for the most part. Safety's way down. Yeah, Paris Campbell last year as a receiver, but it's like they still need receivers. Um, yeah, they could go just a lot of different ways, too. Right. I do like what you said about it's like defense. It's like outside of Darius Leonard, like who do they have on the, that really sticks out in your mind on the defensive side of the ball? It always seems like they're getting like these unheralded type of players. Right. But they're always somewhat decent too. And they have tons of cap space. So like I see them being a good team next year or a team that can just come in and take best available type of thing. But, you know, so I could go that route. I, I'm going to go ahead with the, with the top need at wide receiver. Now there's a couple options I could see here. I'm a fan of LaVisca Chanel. I feel like he can kind of do everything. He could be outside. He could catch underneath. He can kind of run you over with some of his run after catch ability. And I also feel like KJ Hamler would be the perfect either him or Rieger could be a really nice piece um, to kind of learn under TY and be that stretch guy. And uh, I also like, I, I drafted Paris Campbell last year too, as another yeah. type of player, like, you know, the speed. So that fits that mold. Um, and you know, I, isn't, yeah, it's, it's tough isn't to Campbell though? He, I mean, he, is he speed or isn't he kind of that gadget do everything guy? Oh he's no, kind. he's fast. Yeah. Um, he was kind of an underneath guy, despite him being so fast. Yeah. yeah, he never was necessarily a deep ball guy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of pick your poison at receiver. You know, T Higgins maybe if they wanted like a bigger uh, type of target, you know, someone to change it up a little bit, uh, they could go that route as well. Yeah. Hmm. I, it also doesn't say they need a corner. Um, well, there's so many good receivers. And like I said, we kind of, they already seem to have two to three options out there. I think Paris Campbell underperformed and everybody that's listening to the podcast, like, can you just get to the Lions pick at 30, 35, please? So I'm going to go ahead and do this is lean to our intuition, which is defense. 
this is a guy I love at the top of the second round, Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. I feel like he's that stand-up rush linebacker that also has some leadership ability, and I feel like he could be a nice fit next to Leonard as well as give them some more juice defensively. So I'll go ahead and do that. And uh, that'll put the Lions on the clock. Now, you passed on linebacker. Zach Bond could have been an option, I think, for the Lions since you didn't take Simmons. Um, you are now sitting here and uh, 35 picking for our Lions. We have um, we have your boy Okuda and we have A.J. Epineza, who I took. So what, what are we doing here to end the podcast? Uh, don't let the people down, Logan. <laughs> well, so I think Simmons is a safety in the Lions scheme. So oh, we get out of here. Of safeties. <laughs> no. Oh, I 100% believe it. He's the hang defender. He's a Devon Wilson. No, he's Lions not. He's team. a, I mean, he's a, he's a defensive player. He's a, he's a linebacker that just moves all over, but he's not a, you're not going to see him playing, playing back ever. I wouldn't think in their scheme or yeah, hang a hang guy, but Tavon is more of a linebacker anyway. So you can yeah, call him whatever you want, but all semantics, <laughs> how you want to say it. But yeah. if you look at how Simmons was used while he's at Clemson, you know, he wasn't used a ton as a true inside linebacker. He played a lot out in space. He played well, a lot not... covering the slot. He even played some deep safety and <laughs> right. Devon Wilson. I think Devon Wilson's role would, is what fits Simmons best in the Lions defense. And then on third down, you might be able to scooch Simmons inside to more of a middle linebacker to help out with coverage. But, um, uh, yeah, but hold on before you make this pick. Like, I I definitely never said put him in the middle. Like his whole his whole game is is on not only the outside but guarding tight ends, guarding running backs, blitzing off the edge. Like, I'm not playing Isaiah Simmons as a as a middle type linebacker ever. I mean, he's he's all over the field guarding people, blitzing, covering, running and tackling. Like, that's all I'm asking him to do. I don't care. That's a lot what of what you... the safeties do though in Lions defense. That they are the cover guys. Like they don't. I don't feel like the Lions linebackers are necessarily asked. If you watch what Jared David does in coverage, he's not, he's most often, even in their man scheme, he was playing that cover one hole where he's kind of spying the quarterback and covering the middle of the field at the same time. Now it, it is a bad look when they're asked to cover both Davis, Kavai Jones, <laughs> and they are asked to cover, you know, <laughs> tight ends and running backs. Yeah. They get smoked. Yeah, but don't but don't think... compare Simmons to Davis and Tavai. Those are your inside thumper like tacklers. Like we're talking about a different type of guy who, like I said, I get you can call him a safety, and I agree he would kind of play that tape on roll, but he'd also be a guy that just I don't know. Like instead of bringing Tracy down, you'd 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 have him in the middle, just kind of guarding that whole area, you know, in whatever was needed. Now we got to bring Tracy down, or you saw some of the struggles with Will. So anyway, we're getting off the point a little bit, but like I think, I think uh, the reason I've fallen in love with Simmons is all the stuff he can do. I just the only thing I don't see him doing in the line scheme is dropping way back in coverage or playing that that too high or one high safety. Like you're going to tell him from sideline to sideline and from the middle of the football field, like help us cover people and get after the quarterback when you can and be a sure tackler with your speed. I mean, his speed at the combine was crazy and look at how, look at the kind of build he has and he's a captain leader. So anyway, that's why I've been fighting for him, but it's your pick here (laughs) at 35, man. We've got a, we've got a, a corner and a and a rush end, so you know the the positions of need. We got some safeties on the board. We got running backs. We got cor- well, you already took corner. We got we got receivers. If you want to go that route, tack. What are you thinking? So at this point, with Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit still on the board, I think McKinney is overall 
the better prospect. And it's kind of funny enough, he has he played all over the field too. He's also a jack of all trades, yeah, kind of like it. a Simmons, not nearly as big, but you saw him line up everywhere. And so for the Lions to have another versatile chess piece in their system where they're running three safety sets more than 50% of the time, uh, they're going to need another safety. And I know they spent a lot of draft capital on um, two third round picks and Will Harris and uh, Tracy Walker the last couple of years. I think McKinney can just kind of complete that trio, give him a lot of uh, flexibility and where he lines up, maybe even move Will Harris down into the box a little more instead of having him always play deep. Uh, I think that hits his strengths a little better, but McKinney, I think McKinney's got to be the pick here. I think the Lions like him as well. So uh, I'd be very happy with if McKinney's still there in the second mm. round. Maybe such a such a nasty trio. Like you say, I know a lot of people are down on Will Harris, but if he even takes a few steps forward, like those three, look at all the things you could do. They're, they're physical enough, too. They can cover. They can run. Like, that that might be my dream scenario as much as I've been pumping up Isaiah Simmons here. Like if we could get your boy Okuda, get a, a big physical rush guy and then go get a, a versatile safety to kind of not only complete the trio, but let's say Will doesn't come around for whatever reason, like you can bump him down a peg and put McKinney and Tracy back there and then have Will come in when injury or in situational football. Like I think that would be fine too, you know is he's a third round pick. So you'd be taking a second rounder and kind of bumping a third rounder down. I I love yeah, it. I'm, it's I'm, ideal scenario to have McKinney there in the second round, but there's been lots um, of people that don't want to take a safety because they're, they want to roll the dice saying like you already invested in will and Tracy. So like you want to go fill something else. Was there anything else that, that enticed you? Like when I've been doing these mocks, like as much as I want to get our running game fixed, I feel like you have to put blinders on to like, we're right here looking at Taylor Dobbins, you know, uh, Clyde Edwards, you got to just let those guys pass not only in the second, but the third round pretty much as well. Unless Jonathan Taylor somehow was there in the third round. I think you have to consider him. But my thing in the mocks has been like, avoid wide, running back a wide receiver. Cause there's so many of them. Um, yep. Were you interested at all in the tackle? I mean, you're still seeing these corners and stuff on the board. I mean, if we flip-flop those, you could see there's still some good options here. Is there anything I, else that even intrigued you, or is it just a run to the podium? Yeah, so Austin Jackson intrigued me a little bit. I think he's more of a left tackle, though, um, you know, projected. So it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I just think the value for McKinney there was the best. That's yeah. obviously why I selected him. But as far as running back goes, you know, I think both Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins, if, if they're still hanging around, they're very enticing because the Lions need a running game. We just we've never had one, and yeah. I don't. I just don't know if a running back is going to fix the the issues. But it, it sure would be tempting to take like a Jonathan Taylor um, and just have him. You know, with how athletic and big he is, he looks like a true workhorse. He's had his issues with fumbles and you know and pass pro uh he's probably more of like a two down the early down type of back but i just think um with mckinney with how often the lions are playing three safety sets you know it doesn't mitigate really will harris into like a reserve role you, you saw how much javon wilson even played last year being a third safety um it is a very important role so it probably they'd probably play more of that third safety will play more than a running back will considering the running back room with both Scarborough and carry on Johnson. Um, yeah. So I'm, 
I didn't really hesitate when I saw McKinney still on the board. Oh, I didn't no. even look hardly elsewhere, no. to tell you the truth. No, I think it's a slam dunk as well as it works perfect with the other picks we made. Um, you know, to me, you made two slam dunk picks. My pick's a little bit questionable with Epineza where I took him, but I, I still feel like, you know, it's going to be hard to go out in free agency and get a big defensive end. Like you said, he fits the scheme. I feel like, you know, if you waited until the second round, he could have easily been gone. Um, and there wasn't really many any other edge guys, you know, then you start getting down into the Terrell Lewis's and some of these guys who like, yeah, they could be options, but they also just don't seem to be those guys that you could put out there basically day one. Curtis Weaver's a guy that uh, Bucky Brooks likes that I'm kind of torn on. It's like I saw some more tape on him today and I'm like, yeah, he does have some some good get after you. He, he doesn't look uh, the greatest in his jersey, but he gets after the quarterback. So you know, I, I like how it fell with all our picks as well as how we played the board, which was like, you couldn't really wait on, on edge. So we got him. And then we still had a beautiful pick in the second round at 35. That was tremendous. But like I say, thanks to your trade down, being able to move down two slots and get us an extra first rounder. I think that would be absolutely dream scenario for the lions. And, uh, We'll see how it all shakes out, man. It's going to be really interesting. And uh, I was just really glad to have you on. I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. And uh, free agency is going to be really interesting because it's a total roll of the dice. I'm really hoping the Lions go in big and they make some strategic moves with all this money they've been hoarding rather than just bring in these guys that are, you know, second, third tier type players. Go get some blue chippers and then do what we did here in the draft, which is trade down a little bit acquire some more picks and then slam dunk those picks with young athletes at positions of need really help this team. So Logan, man, it's been a super fun uh, podcast. I'm so uh, glad you came on and always fun to talk lines with you, man. Yeah, no, it's a great time. Anytime these mock drafts, you know, always a good time and just talking lines in general and always enjoy being on the show and look forward uh, to the next time. It should be, you know, right before, semi-close to you know draft season but free agency period will be over that point and hopefully we have some good players to talk about no doubt no doubt about it so uh check logan out at uh, si lions maven he's always doing some cool articles there and as as we said earlier on twitter just type in logan and then start trying to spell his last name and he'll pop up Uh, he's got the lions logo there and he'll be the guy with 20,000 followers talking Lions football. Everybody knows Logan Lamarandier. So great to have you on the show. Uh, Another great episode of Believe in Lions. Everybody take care. Have a great time. We'll catch you back here next week talking free agency right here on Believe in Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.